Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, January 23rd, and this is your FT News Briefing. We now know how the SEC's X account got hacked, and the U.S. economy is humming along. But I have three words for you. Inverted yield curve. Since 1960, it's only once suggested there will be a recession, and it was wrong. Every other time, the yield curve calls the recession. Plus, a huge IT company in Japan is in hot water over its role in the UK post office scandal. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. account of the Securities and Exchange Commission got hacked a few weeks ago. Someone posted from the account right before the SEC greenlit spot Bitcoin exchange-traded funds. It made it seem like the SEC had already granted approval, which threw the whole world of cryptocurrency into chaos. The SEC said yesterday that the hack happened after someone took control of the cell phone linked to the X account. They did it through something called a SIM swap, which basically involves transferring a phone number to a different device without the owner's permission. The hacker then changed the SEC's X password. Another interesting tidbit, the SEC said that it asked X to disable multi-factor authentication a few months prior to the attack due to, quote, issues accessing the account. It's back on now for pretty obvious reasons, but I think there's a lesson there for all of us folks. Keep on multi-factor authentication. The U.S. economy looks like it might be on the up and up. There's lower inflation, positive signaling from the Federal Reserve on interest rates, and the stock market is setting records. But one thing still isn't sitting well with economists, the dreaded inversion of the yield curve on government bonds. This is usually an ominous clue that a recession is about to hit. And the yield curve? Well, it's been inverted for a while now. Here to talk to us about it is Jen Hughes, our U.S. markets editor. Hi, Jen. Hey there. All right, so let's start with the basics for people who don't geek out on the yield curve inversion the way that we do. What is a yield curve, and what are we talking about when we say that it's inverted? I've got to say, I confess, I've long been a yield curve geek. I love this stuff. So what the basics of the yield curve is that normally shorter-dated interest rates should be lower, that is cheaper, than longer-term ones. The idea being that it should be cheaper if I'm lending you money for three months, I've got a fairly good idea that you'll pay me back. If I'm lending you money for 10 years, I'd probably want to charge you a bit more interest for the risk that you don't pay me back in that time. When that inverts, when those longer-term yields are lower than short-term ones, that's the inverted yield curve. And that's just it's basically a signal that something is amiss, something isn't right. Okay, and, and so then when this yield curve inverts, I'm actually making more money off the interest rate in that three-month loan, the short-term loan, than I am on the 10-year loan, right? Pretty much. And we should say we're talking about U.S. Treasuries here. So, Jen, why do we use the inverted yield curve as a signal for a recession? I think the main thing is the yield curve's reliability For about 60 years, since 1960, it's only once suggested there will be a recession, and it was wrong. Every other time, the yield curve calls the recession. 
It happened in the 80s, it happened in 2000, the yield curve inverted in those cases in 2006, ahead of the 2008 global financial crisis. It calls it. The yield curve really calls the recession every time. So while every time is different, the yield curve is usually right so far. What's the explanation for why there hasn't been a recession yet, even though the yield curve has inverted? What we've got to watch for is that there's usually a lag between it happening the yield curve inverting, and the recession that follows. We're roughly slap bang in the middle of what should be the recession period or when it should start. The main thing I'm hearing this time around is the idea that all the stimulus from governments, from everything else during and post the pandemic is what's delayed it, that there's been so much money sloshing around the system that it's kind of deadened the market. It's not reacting quite properly. Is it possible that we just don't get a recession, Jen? I mean, do you think that we're still on track for a soft landing, you know, lowering inflation without tipping the U.S. economy into a recession? It's possible for sure. But one thing I think that might sort of marry up the two things, the soft landing plus the yield curve, is that a soft landing doesn't necessarily preclude a shallow recession. So we could have a point where we do get two quarters of negative economic growth. That's normally what we mean as a technical recession, that you need at least that. So that's roughly the definition we're using here. But it's not a sharp, painful one where companies start panicking and laying off staff, you know, where it sort of feeds on itself. We might technically hit a recession, but perhaps it won't be the most painful one on record. And here's hoping on that. Jen Hughes is the FT's U.S. Markets Editor. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. A television drama that recently aired in the UK set off a political firestorm. It tells the true story about how post office workers were wrongly convicted of fraud. The problem all boiled down to a software glitch, and the software came from a Japanese company called Fujitsu. It took over the UK's largest computer maker, ICL, in 1990 and provided the faulty software for the post office. The scandal has landed the company in pretty hot water. Kana Inagaki is the FT's Tokyo bureau chief, and she joins me now to talk about Fujitsu. Hey, Kana. Hi there. So before we dive into its role in the post office scandal, can you give me a sense of just how big of a player Fujitsu is in the global IT space? Fujitsu has like a market value of about $28 billion, and it's one of the biggest technology conglomerates in Japan. So in its home market, it's quite famous for providing a lot of the IT systems for public infrastructure, whether it's the Tokyo Stock Exchange, the banking groups, or the Japanese government. Elsewhere, globally, it's also known, for example, for its technology in artificial um, intelligence. So it's quite a wide-ranging technology conglomerate. And what's the backstory here? How did Fujitsu software become so significant for the UK Postal Service? For Fujitsu, it was really the deal that provided a really important gateway for the Japanese group into Europe. And the Horizon IT system that Fujitsu developed was developed to replace the UK's paper-based social security payment system. But there were issues with the software from the very start. They had technical failures, but 
What came to light more recently through this public inquiry is that you know executives at Fujitsu UK have admitted that both Fujitsu and the post office were aware that the software had faults from the very beginning. Wow, then how much could Fujitsu actually be liable for then in terms of penalties, compensation, things like that? So at this moment, Fujitsu has not made it clear how much they're going to compensate the victims. They said that they have a moral responsibility to pay the compensation. But analysts are saying that even with the compensation included, that the financial impact on the company as a whole is probably likely to be limited. Since, you know, Fujitsu UK generates only about 5% of the Japanese conglomerate's annual revenue. Okay, so it's not going to sink the company financially. Are there any other potential fallouts for Fujitsu? Yeah, throughout this whole entire scandal, investors and analysts have said the financial impact is small. And it seemed like the company also saw this issue as a problem for the UK. But more recently, as this issue became such a big uh, political storm and you know sparked public outcry in the UK, there's now concerns about the reputational damage that this scandal could cause for the Japanese group as a whole. And also, I mean, this is not the first time that Fujitsu has had faults with this system. The Horizon IT system is in the UK, but in recent years, there has been problems with some of the systems that the Japanese group has um, provided to the Japanese government, the banking groups, or even the Tokyo Stock Exchange. So put all of these issues together, some analysts have raised concerns about whether there could be broader questions asked about Fujitsu's technology in general. Kana Inagaki is the FT's Tokyo Bureau Chief. Thanks, Kana. Thank you. Before we go, we have a very special announcement. We're launching a weekend edition of the briefing called Swamp Notes, and we're going to focus on U.S. politics in the run-up to the U.S. presidential election this fall. Every Saturday morning, you'll hear from FT reporters and columnists as they break down everything from what the election will mean for the economy to what the stakes are for the rest of the world. The first episode is this week, Saturday, January 27th, and you don't have to do anything. It's going to drop right here in this feed. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., 